And now, here's your next episode of My Labor Radio. All right, how you doing, everybody? This is Mark, your host on My Labor Radio. Dear friends, welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network series, highlighting the work of our members. The growing network of over 80 shows in five countries serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. My name is Evan Papp, and I produce Empathy Media Lab's podcast on labor, political economy, arts, and culture, and we're a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Today, I'm speaking with Mark Gavart, host of My Labor Radio out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mark, great to see you. And could you begin by telling me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and what led you to organize labor? Well, I was born and raised in southern Wisconsin and born and raised in a very conservative household of fans of the Nixon and Reagan world and uh, really didn't look at other perspectives until my mother, who was a speech and language pathologist, was going to do her graduate work at the University of Wisconsin. And I would spend the summers there with her walking through the library. And then I got to learn and read a whole bunch of stuff. And then I got turned on to In These Times and so many other good magazines. And then I got a job as a UAW member in an automobile manufacturing facility. So I was a UAW member. So I took the love of the progressive perspective that I was learning on myself because I wasn't getting that at home. I was hearing a conservative perspective put that together with my labor roots, which started in 1980. That's how old I am. I'll be 60 this year. So I've been at it for quite a while and I just kind of stayed with it and it just kind of grew. I ended up being our labor unions newspaper editor for 18 years. I've done a number of video things, done a number of radio type of things. And then the community access TV station started a community access radio station and I thought, well, if I could give back anything to labor, which has done great things for me, start a labor radio show. They loved it. They fell in love with it because no one was bringing that forward in the community here at all. Started that on a monthly basis and then went to every two weeks in 2018, started in 16, 2018 went to every two weeks. And that's pretty much what I've been able to maintain. My idea is just to interview folks and talk to them about labor. And that's kind of where I've been going at it. But I've always been, I still work today, still work six and seven days a week in some weeks. And I still have an opportunity to see and be involved with labor things. And I just try and keep my hands in it and just talk to people about labor. So where in the UAW, is that, were you based in Indiana the entire time or did you start out in Wisconsin? Yeah, I started out in Wisconsin and then the plant that was there, they gave us the opportunity to transfer. So the labor agreement that the UAW had negotiated on a national level, because you're going to have a national agreement and then individual local agreements throughout the system, which is unique to Ford Chrysler and others that are doing those type of things, General Motors in this case, they were building this plant in the late 80s in Fort Wayne, Indiana, because it's part of the GM corridor. So you've got things coming from Mexico, you've got all kinds of parts plants in the Michigan tri-state area right around here. So it was a good place to put a green field together and they spent you know, several hundred million dollars to build the facility. It's a full-size facility. There's over, I think 5 million square feet under roof now today, 35 plus years later, we build full-size pickup trucks. So 
I got in on the ground floor of a labor union. The labor union I left in Janesville, Wisconsin had been around for 65 years prior. So there was a lot of established folks there. When I came to Indiana, it was a new local without even a hall or anything like that. So I was able to get in on the ground floor and say, you know what, I want to be involved in this. I want to give something to it. And I really, you know, labor unions operate with volunteer energy. And that's what I brought and stayed with it and have been doing it for over 30 years now with a lot of real happy moments from it. So I'm really excited about the continued work because as I retire in the next few years, I'm going to continue talking with labor people and doing a labor radio podcast. Awesome. So I was born in Cleveland and I grew up in Michigan and Muskegon on the Western side of the state right on. in Chicago for a little while. So I'm Midwest, you know, right. very influenced, obviously. Right. And it's so sad when I drive from Washington, D.C. to Cleveland and I go past Youngstown, right. a GM plant that's closed. I've been around Detroit and a lot of a lot of shops have been closed. And mm-hmm. what's so frustrating is that there's so much there's just so much skilled labor and the ability to mass produce things with the machine tool sector that we could have just retooled this whole thing. If it, okay, if people don't want automobiles, we can build something else. There's stuff throughout the world. There is immiseration and scarcity throughout the world. And it's just so frustrating that I always use this analogy that wall street did to Detroit on our own behalf, that something that Hitler wanted to do and couldn't do, which is, you know, decimate a lot of these industrial zones. So it's, yeah. it's great to hear um, what you're doing. I know Indiana can also be uh, a pretty tough state for labor uh, as well. Really hard. Yeah, it's a right to work state. And I was there in the fight at the state house, um, arguing with all those in charge, because we are now in our 17th going on 18th year of the House, the governor and the Senate, all controlled by the Republican Party. It is pathetic. They are killing the teachers, the education system. They're going at it because, you know, we are, as labor union folks, we are about family values. And I'm not going to allow Republicans who try to control everything when it comes to labor to claim that they're for family values. If they were, they'd be taking care of working families, not trying to kill the labor department or the NLRB or give you right to work in your state. So it's a fight here. It's a very red state. We always fight, but I know we're on the right side of history. So that's why I'm going to stay doing it. I love that. And I, I love not seeding the ground, whether it's religion, whether it's national security, whether it's patriotism, or whether it's, you know, support for working families. So I, I really appreciate that framing. So for those who may not be interested or aware of labor news, why are unions important and why do you think they should be covered in the media? I think the uh, one of the things you find is that the most it's easiest as as we get readership changes in a magazine and or newspapers and a newspaper comes and goes, especially the small town newspapers have come and gone or not around anymore and they get sucked up by a conglomerate. It's easier to cast away the labor reporter and just call them up business reporter because that has been the mantra for over 40 plus years of the Republican Party is to diminish labor, to make it appear that it's not necessary to have labor unions. You don't need those people telling you what to do coming down from on high. Actually, if the person tells you you don't need a labor union, that's reason number one to be involved in a labor union right there. That's probably the boss telling you, or in this case, the Republic is trying to dictate to us they want to take that away from us. Labor reporting is still around if we do it correctly. Whenever I've talked to media folks here in Northeast Indiana, the biggest thing I do 
is talk to them first and interview the reporter to find out where their head is at about labor. And usually it's, well, my boss just sent me out here to ask you questions. And they have zero background. They didn't grow up in a labor household. They don't have any background. So I try to bring them up to speed first. And I end up trying to teach before I even do an interview with them. I think a lot of people miss that, but we have to take that as labor persons, especially in this world that we're in right now. It's very important for working families. The people who don't have a labor union available to them are the first ones that tell you, I wish I had a voice at my workplace. I wish I had a consistent wage or a consistent vacation program or benefit program that would help me so that I could move forward with my family. And it's about working families. So, I grew up in a very pro New Deal household. Um, the Roosevelt administration actually created public housing in Cleveland and it yeah. saved my grandparents when they lost their house during the Great Depression. And the problem though with a lot of the Democratic Party is that starting with Carter, they started looking at labor unions as just another lobbying trade. And then it moves into the new Democrats and the, the, D, the Democratic leadership uh, DLC, I guess, into the Clinton era where they left the deal and just became new Democrats, pro Wall Street. And you see it with Clinton, even with Obama a little bit. And it's hopeful now, even right. though Biden was in that administration with Obama as well, that he is at least signaling that um, he's pro union more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, I, that's yeah. a great point, Evan. It really is because he's done more things in a 15 day period. Here we are that early in his presidency than we saw in his eight years with the Obama administration. That's for sure. And how can we continue to push the Democrats to, to wake up to the roots of the party and, uh, and even try to, it, you know, I think the Republican party is, is going the way of the Whigs and it, mm -hmm. we're in a new party realignment. Right. And uh, I guess, what what do you see on on the political side in Indiana going from Mike Pence do you think we could ever get progressive leadership in Indiana uh, that's going to be pro a real, labor at least yeah they have a real chokehold on a lot of folks here and it's um you got your metro areas you know six million plus people in the Indianapolis area Evansville's good size you've got the Gary and the northwestern part of the state then you've got Fort Wayne Indiana in those metro areas you're doing okay with the Democratic Party but once you get out to those rural areas they would elect a park bench with an R in front of it that's how crazy it is it's just because generationally that's what they've always done and now we've got QAnon and other conspiracy theories that are at their fingertips it's hard to connect with those voters. So we've got a long way to go, but I like things that are happening like in the state of Minnesota, you've got your DFL, which is the uh, Democratic Farm Labor Party. And those folks have still, they've been around for 50, 60 years. They're still working it. They're still gonna make things happen. There's, you know, nurses are organized there. There's a number of good things going on. So I look at those folks to see hope that things can change here. What I do like the most is the youth that are coming forward. Here in Northeast Indiana, in, we're going to have a switch in the state party, and we'll also have switch in county parties and who the leaders are. As we go towards that, I'm seeing a number of folks who came forward in this last election cycle. They didn't win, but they were great candidates. They came forward and they understand labor. They're not even members of a labor union. But when I came to talk to them about it, they un understood it implicitly. And they were talking about it in a positive manner, more so about teachers unions, but they understand the importance of a union and why collective bargaining is important to American families. So those are the guys and gals who are stepping forward to say, I wanna help this party. I wanna lead this party. 
I'm thinking that there's good things coming from that based on the idea that if we give them a chance, you know, you've been at it for 35 or 40 years and you really haven't developed anything new. Let's step out of the way, be there as support, but let the young kids come in and do some of this stuff. I think it's going to be a positive. And with your education about the importance of unions as well for some of the folks uh, who- I spend a lot of time at that. Yes, I do. <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about your show already. Um, how did you come up with that format and how do you find guests and what's a little bit of the process of uh, what goes into your show? Well, I'm usually ripping it at the same moment it's due. That's, I mean, I live right on the edge. I have a couple of things started and I usually get guests lately through the Labor Radio Podcast Network and follow who some of the other folks are interviewing, usually authors talking about their book, things like that. But I'm also running into candidates in the area. This last election cycle introduced me to a number of people. And then from there, I'll talk about labor issues with them. I've got a labor attorney who ran and lost, but she's now going to come in and talk about the administrative things that she has always worked on. Um, this next show I've got, I got another candidate who's only 28 years old, who's a teacher in the area here. He ran, but he's talking about all the things that are going on in the state house. Um, I just most recently interviewed the lead person from the Allen County Democratic Party. She's leaving. They're going to have an election for a new person in March of this year. So we talk about that transition. And most of my guests come from somewhere in this area here or they're outside of the area that are going to be like Richmond, Sean Richmond, who wrote the Tell the Bosses Were Coming, which is a great book. Um, Phil Cohen, uh, you know, the union fighting guy, the union busting, you try to try and bust my union, it's not going to happen on my watch. There's some great guys who are, and ladies who are writing some great books um, that broke my heart the other day. Ann Feeney, if you know who she is from the Philadelphia area, she just passed away. Her daughter posted about it in the last couple of days. And it broke my heart because I'd been in conversation in as, as late as November and December with Ann to have her on the show. I met her in the 1990s and listened to her music for years and we were talking about stuff and now she's passed with COVID and it's, it's very frustrating to watch that we lose great people like that, but there's a chance for me and others to try and get there and start talking to folks about labor stuff and just keep it out there. My format is pretty much 54 minutes. I try to keep everything an hour and I self fund the podcast. I paid for it myself because I built the website and put the stuff out there. So it's available on a Sunday and then it airs every 10 days I put a new show out and I just don't kill myself, but make sure I get somebody on there. So like my two guests that are for this next show I'm doing, which I'll put out this Sunday night. And I just kind of winged it and said, Oh, I'm going to call this person and that person. And they just kind of one thing leads to another as you go. And you really don't have to fight that hard to find guests. There's always somebody out there who's willing to talk to you. Zoom has made it a very easy for me to connect with people across state lines that I wouldn't have been able to get to also. And that's been a big help. So as a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, we're constantly trying to expand it. We're really trying to elevate the voice of labor while also building the capacity of, of people uh, who are wanting to start their own show and linking them up with people like you who have a lot of experience. And could you also talk about why you think this network is important? Well, I've stumbled onto the network, quite honestly. Um, Chris Garlock and Harold Phillips sent me an email one day and I was like, oh, this is great. When I find out later, I was like the 46th or 48th show that they put on. I thought, oh, exciting. What a great thing to be part of. And I look at it, it's like, this has only been around since April of 2020. It's May. How the heck? So 
they're just expanding out there and looking around and searching the internet to say, oh, there's a show about labor. Oh, there's somebody with something about labor. And because I chose the name, see, I wanted to have labor radio, but there's some great people doing labor radio in Chicago and other places who already have that .com and .org. And since I was looking for a labor radio type of thing, I thought, why not? It's my labor radio. and oh, That fits. So I kind of went with that. I think that we have some great opportunity to get more people involved if they realize how easy it is. The investment I made was simple, not that hard. I, I've been in bands and played music all my life. So I understood the audio end of it. So I understood what equipment I needed, but I've been able to talk to a couple of people already. They've started a podcast here at my local union in which they're interviewing officers and things like that. And just trying to grab whoever they can here and there. It's not a consistent thing, but it's a start. And those guys are doing a great job at it. They're doing some super work. So I know there's hope and you know, they're 25 years younger than me. And that's what I want to see is I want to help someone who's got the thought of, I think I might be able to do this and tell them, yeah, you can do it. And you can do it inexpensively. If you just put your heart and mind into it, it, it can happen for you. So in closing, looking into the future of organized labor, where do you see opportunity and hope? Um, I still think that we have a lot of things to offer working families in this country. We're missing the boat by not reminding folks who work every day, whether it's a nurse, it's somebody that's, um, do, we don't have to worry about the operating engineers who are running heavy equipment. We already know the folks that are in unions right now. We always can argue about politics and things within the union or politics of Republican and Democrat, but where the labor movement needs to go is the support we're gonna to start to see in Washington, DC. That needs to permeate down to state levels and then things are gonna pick up. I'm very confident that we're having as labor leaders, the right message at the right place at the right time. We are here for a reason. We build what we're doing in a hope that there's gonna be more people who wanna climb on. I think the big thing is, podcast because everybody's got it on their phone. They can listen wherever they're going as they shoot across town, plug it into their, their, their phone in their car and listen to it that way. Or the phone just sits in their shirt pocket or wherever they're doing it and they turn it on and they can hear it. So we've got some great opportunities to be able to connect that message to people. And it doesn't have to be an hour show. It could be a 20 minute segment, a 10 minute segment, the Ted talk type of thing in 20 minutes, give your message and get through it. And then you'll involve people when you start sending them the message about why collective bargaining in their workplace is a right and it's something that they're going to benefit from. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear their voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they're willing to we all come to understand. None of us are free, none of us are free, none of us are free, and one of us is chained, none of us are free. darkness they just can't see the light if we don't say it's wrong then that says it's right we got to feel for each other let our brothers know we're here got to get the message send it out all loud and clear 
So all the souls are suffering 